one constant through all the years, Ray. Beyond the game. The ladies are digging my sweet face. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. You like that? You like that? That is a career ender, just like this show. You're already famous in Rochester, but watch out world. It's a faith-based sports radio program. We would be honored if you would join us. Good morning. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to the Beyond the Game program. Beyond the Game is brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com. Also, you can call them at 585-426-5024. Town & Country Pest Solutions, fearing nothing but God. You may be wondering where Rick Benson is. I'm Zach Barletta. Rick Benson is here in the studio with me, but he's not opening the show. He's suspended for the opening segment because he violated our dress code. For those of you watching on Vimeo, you can see this monstrosity that he's wearing on his head. If you're listening on the radio, it's a, I guess it's a big felt fedora with a really, really big peacock feather in it. I told him, look, you can't wear that. You're going to be suspended if you wear that. He wore it. So here we are. Zach's the producer. He makes the rules and I I just, I need to follow it like everybody else. You can follow the show on Twitter, Vimeo, Facebook. Other social media platforms, social media handles at BTG Program. You can also check out the website, btgprogram.com. When Ron Rivera made the decision to bench Cam Newton for the opening series last Sunday night against the Seahawks, I mean, he basically waved the white flag on what amounts to a lost season. I mean, don't you think? Yeah, I think he was probably the last one to acknowledge it, but that was pretty much it. I think the Carolina Panthers have a minor problem on their hands, and maybe it's just the result of losing Losing brings that sort of thing, that sort of frustration. It was ironic, though, that considering how immaculate Newton dresses for these post-game press conferences, that it was a dress code violation that led to his being benched for the opening series, making the trip to Seattle without a tie on. There was a report this week, and I'm not sure how truth it was because there was how truth it was how truthful it was, because there was also a report that said this is inaccurate. But Pete Schrager of Fox Sports, who's usually pretty good, said that Ron Rivera warned Newton prior to that flight that if he didn't wear a tie, he was going to sit him. If Newton went ahead and didn't wear a tie, then the Carolina Panthers have a problem because that's Mm -hmm. blatantly disrespectful to the coach. You're questioning his authority, and that warrants some sort of discipline. How much... I don't know, Zach. We can't really say because we don't have all the details. One series seems light to me, yet the whole game seems heavy. Either way, I, I'm not a disciplinarian expert. Don't know that I, this is my area of expertise, but I don't think embarrassment is an effective tool for discipline. And this was on national TV. Yeah. I think the best punishment was just leaving him in there to get boat raced by Seattle, <laughs> having him finish that game. You know, when you embarrass somebody as a form of punishment it it might have some effect i mean it hurts obviously it sends a message obviously but i'm not sure it's going to have the long time long-term results he wants uh, newton i should say might not break the dress code violation again but you got to be real careful about the threats you make you know as discipline Mm -hmm. if rivera threatens to sit newton then he has to sit him he painted himself in a corner. Maybe had he said, if you break the rule, there will be some sort of consequence. 
Well, that gives you an out. You don't have to do it publicly. You don't have to do it on national television. You can handle it internally. But as I said, we don't know what else went on. You ever been somewhere and seen those parents who warn their kid like 16 times, if you do it again, you'll be sorry. And the kid keeps doing it because he knows these consequences are just idle threats. If you do it yeah. again, we're not we're not going to go get ice cream. And then you watch him go right to the ice cream stand. Rivera couldn't be that parent. He had to do something. And, of course, like I said, we don't know what happened. I do remember Rivera's defended Newton in the past. Mm -hmm. There was that yeah. incident earlier this season where uh, he was riding a scooter while on the concussion protocol without a helmet. Rivera came to his defense. There's been reports of other dress code violations, albeit minor, I suppose, but Rivera defended him. Discipline is both necessary and important. And I know it's easier on parents sometimes to just avoid it, and many choose that route, but it only creates bigger problems. Discipline is biblical. It's a spiritual concept. There's a number of verses throughout Scripture, but the common theme among, among them is God's love. Love should not be separated from discipline because discipline is actually evidence of love. Let me give you an example. Revelation 3.19 those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. These are the words of Jesus Christ himself. He's telling the church at Laodicea that he loves them enough to discipline them. His goal was correction. He wanted them to repent of their actions for their own good. Sometimes it's a worthwhile practice to search our lives, to search our hearts for sin we haven't repented of when we feel as though we're being chastised by God for some reason. It may be that we actually are. And those things can be difficult to identify sometimes because our pride gets in the way, because we enjoy our sins so much more than we would care to admit. Let's stick for the, with the NFL for one more note before our first break. Johnny Manziel is reflecting on his experience and sharing his wisdom with the world. And before you start thinking that perhaps he's seen the error of his ways and warns others to not take the same path, oh no. That's not it at all. That really would be news. That would be news. You're absolutely right. In fact, according to the New York Post, the former first-round pick of the Cleveland Browns celebrated his 24th birthday this week, spending somewhere around $35,000 at nightclubs, partying away, and buying several thousand-dollar bottles of booze. Proverbs 18.2 says, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. And living out that verse for himself and loving the sound of his own voice and how wise it seems in his own head, it appears that Manziel has sent a message of advice to potential first-round pick Lamar Jackson of Louisville. And it sure looks like the Browns are going to end up with the top pick in the draft. Mm -hmm. Manziel told TMZ that he believes Jackson is college football's best player, and when asked about the possibility of ending up with the Browns, he shook his head ardently and waved his finger in emphatic no and said laughing, Lamar is going to go somewhere else. Sort of sending a message warning them, don't go to the Browns. Now, look, we all think the Browns are laughable. Now, you and I, Zach, we, we know they've been playing pretty hard. We're actually, mm -hmm. we can see this thing turning around. But for Manziel to not realize the part he played in sabotaging the Browns and suggesting that others stay clear, that's really what's laughable. The Browns thought they had their quarterback. But instead, while out, he's out partying, by the way, paying with money that they paid him, that mm -hmm. they gave him, he's out partying. They're still searching for answers for who's going to be their quarterback. 
It's a busy week in sports, a lot to talk about. We're going to try to address the college football playoffs controversy. Are you happy about the teams that are in, or are you bitter over your team missing out? And with so much going on in sports this week, Zach has an extended list of shenanigans topics to work through. All that and more on this week's Beyond the Game program. I want to remind you that previous broadcasts, contact information, and more can be found on our website, btgprogram.com. Our show is mainly listener-supported, so if you feel so led, you can also make a secure donation through the website as well. Your generous donations help keep the show on the air as well as help the program to reach new markets, and your support is a blessing and is much appreciated. I'm Benson, the goodly bearded man with me is Barletta. You're listening to the Beyond the Game program brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. Title sponsor of Beyond the Game is Town & Country Pest Solutions, and they have been for the two-plus years the show's been on the air. But that's nothing compared to the nearly 30 years of bringing your homes and businesses of unwelcome pests. And I'm not just here reading a commercial script for them. I am a happy and satisfied customer. They have taken care of a mouse, bee, ant, and even fly problem for me. Yes, my house is old and falling apart, and I get all sorts of pest problems, and you may too as the colder air creeping in starts to cause critters to seek shelter in your attic, basement, or walls. If you think you have a problem or want to make sure that you don't, call town and country they really are the best they guarantee their work and did i mention they're the best save yourself any more of a headache and money by giving them a call first don't waste your time on other companies town and country will do it right the first time every time so give them a call today at 585-426-5024 that's 585-426-5024 one more time because someone decided that three is the magic number 585-426-5024 or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com Town and Country Pest Solutions. They fear nothing but God. Is here. Ram Sports Network. Christian Sports Television. That's right. Christian Sports Television. Ram Sports Network is the first Christian Sports TV channel with programming from Pee Wee to the Pros. Games, events, sports talk, fitness and nutrition, sports missions, Western sports, and sports ministry. We're spreading the gospel through sports. Watch us now at ramsportsnetwork.com or find us on the Roku Channel Store. Ram Sports Network. More than a game. Thanks for tuning in. So glad you've joined the many people of Spring, Texas in tuning into the program. Those good folks outside of Houston and northern Harris County have made us their favorite faith-based sports <laughs> program originating out of Rochester, New York, and we hope you will too. You can get the podcast, replay anything you may have missed at our website, btgprogram.com. And now you can even watch the program on Vimeo. Although you should be warned, we do have faces ideally suited for radio. <laughs> but at our website, you can get a link to the Vimeo page. Once again, that's btgprogram.com. The Beyond the Game program is brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. And if you have a pest problem, Call Town & Country at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. Or visit them on the web, townandcountrysolutions.com. Town & Country Pest Solutions, fearing nothing but God. There are a lot of people who have no real interest in sports, and I would imagine they're probably not listening right now. <laughs> but I wonder what they debate with one another about. Is it trendy movies? the hottest television shows, maybe which corner coffee spot is the coolest one to hang out in. All are things which, like sports, really don't matter much at the end of the day. 
With our nation in the midst of a presidential transition, many people are debating on politics. And of course, that's a lot more important, isn't it? More things are at stake than just wins and losses in an athletic competition. But people get so angry. They get so bitter. I'm probably like you. You know, I I have my views. I have my opinions. But I'm not always comfortable sharing them outside certain circles of people that I trust. You know, you start seeing some people that you just don't trust sharing your political views with because they get too lathered up over it. They get too excited. They get too fired up. And it's just, man, how do you have a conversation with those people? More and more, it seems like people are unable to handle you disagreeing with them. They're unable to disagree respectfully. And I can think of a couple of people that I just I avoid these type of conversations with. That's one of the things I like about sports. It's fun to discuss. It's interesting to observe how people formulate their opinions and the perspectives from which they base those opinions. Plus, at the end of the day, it just doesn't matter. For example, if you've determined that The New York Yankees are not the greatest franchise in the history of pro sports. Well, that's fine. You know, we can have a discussion about it. We can present our cases and we can part knowing that who really cares? It doesn't matter. But in the last couple of weeks, the college football playoff selections has changed this dynamic when it comes to sports. As these, as the final decisions were about to be made, as and in the days since those announcements have come, I've been in part of a few different conversations with people: who's in, who's out, who should be in. And in each one of those conversations, there, there was always somebody that started getting a little hot under the collar about it. Somebody that just couldn't seem to handle the fact that their team wasn't in and I wasn't buying into the fact that their team belonged to be in. Now, I've matured enough now that I can identify when, I should say I can usually identify, when somebody's getting worked up to a point where the best thing to do is just walk away, end the conversation, change the subject, do whatever you got to do because somebody's about to say something stupid, somebody's about to hurt somebody else's feelings, And the actual person getting fired up about it, they're not always able to identify that this is the time to leave this be. I've learned to sort of take those people off the hook, change the subject, get on out of there. People are passionate about their favorite school. Some of these people, man, they'd probably let you talk about their wife, but you can't talk about their school. Yeah. They're more passionate about their college teams than they are their pro teams or anything else in their lives. I actually saw this past week on social media somebody talking about Penn State, and they were just, they were angry about the sanctions against the school. They dismissed them as unnecessary and unfair, and they were vilifying anyone who didn't think that Penn State belonged in the playoff bracket suggesting even that the NCAA had it in for the Nittany Lions. Now, here's the thing, and you may feel otherwise, which is why I prefer debating about things that don't really matter should we end up disagreeing. But I don't think conference championships need to matter or that they should automatically qualify their winning school for a playoff. And that's the strongest case I think that Penn State has going for it. They won their conference championship. And and look, it's really tough. Penn State is good. 
They're a really good football team. I think they deserve to be in a playoff, but not a four-team playoff. See, I don't think the problem is necessarily the system. I think it's the amount of teams. For Penn State's case, it's hard to overlook a loss to a fairly average pit team. And it's definitely hard to overlook a 39-point blowout loss to Michigan. Now, maybe you want to do it like the Olympics. You want to take the high score. You want to take the low score. You want to throw those out and just debate everything in the middle. The reality is many teams have those days where they play better than who they really are, and they have those days where they play worse than who they really are. Now, if you did that, I should say everybody against, except Alabama, that is, now, if you did that in Penn State's case, you throw out the best, you throw out the worst like they do in the Olympics, you'd be overlooking the loss to Michigan. But you'd overlook their win over Ohio State, too, which is one of their strong points on their resume. But there'd still be that loss to Pitt, a fairly average Pitt team, and that just doesn't look good. I don't think conference championships need to matter because they don't really matter in college basketball. Sure, there's the automatic bids that mean so much to a conference such as the Atlantic 10, but in the major conferences, and here's the other thing, with those conferences that do have the automatic bids, you don't always get their best team. You may have a team, and this happened to St. Bonaventure, what was it, last year, maybe a year before? It happened in recent memory. Maybe it was last year. Where they, they had a great year. They probably should have gone to the big dance, but they fell in the tournament. So if somebody gets hot during the tournament or maybe an injury affects the team and the team that had the best body of work, the team that played the best all year, the strongest team in that conference doesn't gain the automatic bid. There's not enough other slots. They're not going to beat out other teams that do belong. They're not going to beat out teams from major conferences. So unless they get the automatic bid, They're not going. So there's the purpose for the automatic bid, but it's not always giving you that conference's best team. So I don't like them. But like I say, there are those conferences that have them. But in the major conferences, enough teams are going to go to the dance that everyone who should will have that chance to play their way through. Yes, I know there's always discussions. There's annual discussions about who didn't get in. There are TV shows Each of the sports networks, Fox, ESPN, CBS Sports, they all dedicate a portion of their shows to who didn't get in, who got snubbed. But let's be real. If you got a top 20 team in a major conference, you know, a North Carolina, a Duke, if they didn't win their conference championship, they're still going to the dance. They're still going to the big tournament. So what's the purpose of the conference championship? Again, they're nice, but what's the purpose if it's not producing the best team? There may be teams that get get left out because you took so many automatic bids. Weaker teams are going to go play. That's why I don't like anyone's champion going automatically. I know you've probably had conversations with people who suggest that all the Power Five conferences in college football, their champions should go. But I have a problem with that because what if what if the conference has a down year? What if they're not that good? The conference offers weaker competition or their champion turns out to be the seventh or eighth or ninth ranked team in the nation. There's another conference with two, three or four teams that are stronger 
but only their conference champion is going to go? I That doesn't make sense to me. People scream in March that a school like Richmond or Dayton or Coastal Carolina makes the tournament while stronger teams sitting on the bubble get left out because they didn't win their 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 championship that makes no sense i just i i don't buy into it and i know what some of you are saying take the five champions and then have three at large bids but you still run the risk of a conference sending a weak champion there there's just going to be those years winning your conference championship It's a nice honor, no doubt about it, but it doesn't always produce the best team. I'm going to take a body of work. I would rather take somebody's body of work than one particular game any day of the week. But I say keep the conference championship games. I think they're a lot of fun. They're exciting. They usually give you a good rivalry game. They'll often produce a a rematch, a grudge match, if you will, from earlier in the season. The conference championship games are fun. And it's one more chance to play for something. It means something. You may not have won a national championship, but if you win the SEC title, that means something. It's something for those kids to play for. And if you're one of those teams that maybe are on the bubble for a playoff spot, the conference championship game is one more chance to to solidify your resume, to prove that you belong. And you're going to prove it against stronger competition because you're playing in a championship game, which usually will get you the better teams, although not always. I've maintained for years that the top six or eight teams should be part of a playoff. Four teams just isn't enough. I didn't like it when they introduced it, and I don't like it now. You know, I do like incorporating the bowl games into the playoff scenario. I want you to know that was my idea. I thought of that eight, ten years ago, but you probably did too. I think that's nice. Rotate the bowl through. In most years, when you get down to the number seven or number eight teams, you're talking about teams who really don't have a real legitimate claim to being a number one team. This year, depending on your opinion, maybe they do, maybe they don't. In my opinion, personally, I I don't think so. But the top six teams, they almost always can make a case for being number one. So I say keep the playoff committee. Keep the system, but expand by two teams. And and look, if you think you absolutely need eight, I can live with eight. Give the top two a bye and let them figure it out on the field. Tell number seven or eight, look, you just don't belong. But you know what I haven't heard much, and, and maybe you have? There's a lot of money involved here. We're talking about a lot of money. We're talking about TV networks who have invested a lot of money and and which the committee is going to need and want to keep happy. I like Washington. I do. I have family who went there. I'm going to be rooting for them this year. I think they are very, very, very good. But I don't see them as a top four team in the country. But if you took Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and take your pick, Michigan, Penn State, Wisconsin, I don't care, take any of them, a large viewing population of the country are going to be left out and quite possibly uninterested in the networks and the NCAA does not want that. Now, I'm not saying that weighed in on the committee's decision. But I doubt it wasn't at least brought up and discussed in that room. I think the bigger issue, and I agree with these people who say the bigger issue is not who got in or who got left out, is why these stupid games are still on New Year's Eve. Get them off New Year. Don't people have plans? But as long as I'm sharing my thoughts, I'm guessing that some of you have been getting pretty fired up just listening to me. 
How in the world could I not think that conference championships matter? How could I not think that Washington or Penn State is not a top-four team? I'm sorry, I don't. I just don't think they pass the eye test for me. The hateful emails are already on their way. I think those are very good teams, and I think they belong in a playoff, but I think the playoff needs to be six teams and, and eight if you insist. But listen, at the end of the day, it's sports, man. It really doesn't matter. Love your wife. Love your husband. Love your kids. Just relax. Bring down your blood pressure. It's just football. Don't be so bitter and angry. Why do people embrace their bitterness and hold to it like some sort of ID badge? As if the most important thing they want you to know about themselves is whatever it is that they're so bitter about. It's sports, man. Check yourself. We hear of fans at sporting events who beat up other fans because they wore opponent's gear. Even if it was, even if it was more than that, even if the fan who wore the opponent's gear was antagonizing in some way, check yourself, walk away. Is going to jail because you put somebody in the hospital over what they wore to a game really worth it? We're going to take a break. I want, I'm going to get back to this. We'll, we'll share more on this on the other side of the break. You're listening to the Beyond the Game program brought to you by Town & Country. Press Solutions. Here's the Red Hawks report for this week, December 10th, 2016. The Red Hawks report is presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. Both the Red Hawks men's and women's track and field teams opened their indoor seasons with strong performances at the Brockport Alumni Run last Saturday. The women were victorious, while the men turned in a third-place finish. Junior sprinter Chelsea Hayward placed first in both the 60- and 200-meter races, and she was also part of the first-place 4x400-meter relay team, along with Danielle Budd, Christina Button, and Brianna Calderon. In fact, in the 60-meter, she set a school record with a time of 7.65 seconds. And by the way, Hayward also held a previous record of 7.69, which she had set last season. The Roberts women also swept the distance runs. In the one mile, the Red Hawks took the first four places with senior Rachel Hutchinson finishing first. Senior Elizabeth Valento finished first in 3,000 meters, while fellow senior Abigail Monroe finished first in the 5,000 meters. And sophomore Justin Schaefer was a first-place finisher for the men in the one-mile run. Also last Saturday, the men's basketball team dropped a close one at home to Chestnut Hill. Sophomore guard Quinn Carey had tied the game at 80 with just 15 seconds left with a three-point bucket, but the Red Hawks couldn't stop the Griffins from hitting the game winner on the return trip up the floor. Carey finished with 23 points, going 6-for-14 from behind the arc. The men were tripped up again on the road this past Wednesday, losing to District of Columbia 87-79. Sophomore Zach Panabianco led the Red Hawks with 16 points, while junior Manny Joseph added 14 points and 7 rebounds off the bench. The Red Hawks women's basketball team, however, left D.C. with a 75-61 win, behind 26 points from freshman Emily Miller. Junior Lucy Cobley had a double-double, scoring 12 points along with 11 rebounds, and the Red Hawks relied on strong ball control and solid defense as they held UDC to 28% shooting from the floor. There's only one opportunity to catch Roberts Athletics at home before a break for finals week. The men's and women's basketball teams will be hosted Molay College later today, that's December 10th, in a double bill. The ladies tip off at 2 p.m., followed by the men at 4 
Let me encourage you to take a break from holiday shopping. Head on out to the Voller Athletic Center and support Red Hawks basketball. That's the Red Hawks Report for this week, December 10th, 2016. As always, the Red Hawks Report is presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. And remember, you can follow Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter at RWC Red Hawks. This has been the Red Hawks Report presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College. We're proud to be a serious athletic school with great opportunities for serious athletes. In fact, we have the only Division II athletic program in the area. Our many varsity programs range from basketball, tennis, and cross country to track and field, golf, volleyball, and soccer. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. When I have a home remodeling project, whether interior or exterior, I call McAfee's Remodeling Company. Family owned for nearly two decades, McAfee's Remodeling Company is the name I trust. Mike McAfee put a new bathroom into my house three years ago, and I'm still getting compliments on it every time someone comes over to visit. Mike and his crew are experienced and professional, and you'll be thrilled with their work. So give McAfee's Remodeling Company a call today at 402-1070. That's 402-1070. Or visit them online at McAfeeRemodeling.com. Welcome back to the Beyond the Game program. Beyond the Game is brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions, btgprogram.com or at btgprogram. We were talking before the break about the college football playoff systems, how angry people get, and I want to continue my thoughts on that. People get fired up. People get bitter over it. Like talk, and it doesn't matter that much because, as I said earlier, we're just talking about sports. It's a game. It doesn't matter. The playoff system, I think, is flawed in the fact that there's only four teams. There are, I think if you took the top six, almost always, you're going to get the teams that legitimately have a claim to being number one. I don't think most years number seven, number eight really do. But if you think they do and you think that the playoff system has to be eight teams, uh, look, more the more the merrier. I'm okay with eight. But I think you need to have six. I think Penn State and I think Michigan very much belong in the playoff picture. I think those teams, they have a shot at winning a national championship. Look, anybody going to beat Alabama is going to have to come with their best day. They're, this year, Alabama sort of skews everything because, in my opinion, they're so far above and beyond everybody else that um, – who really has a, a legitimate claim other than Alabama? But I, there are look, they could be beaten. But I think teams are going to have to bring their best game. Do I think a Wisconsin is going to have that opportunity? I don't think so. A Texas A and M, Oklahoma. I don't think so. And I know there are people who do, but I don't think so. And I don't think they belong in the playoff. But I think a Michigan, I think a Penn State, I think Washington. But I think you need to take your top six. But the thing is, when you debate these things, I usually like debating sports because it doesn't matter. But something about these college football playoffs has people people so riled up that it's as if we were talking politics. It's as if we were talking religion or some of these taboo things that, you know, they say don't ever talk about at, at parties. I've been to games and seen the interaction between 
home and away fans. A few years ago, I went to a Bills game. It was a preseason Bills game against the Lions. A friend of mine from Detroit went with me. His job had relocated him to, him to here to Rochester, and he had an opportunity to go to see his Lions, a team that he had rooted for since he was a kid. He paid the same amount for his tickets that the Bills fans did. In fact, he probably paid more because so many of these preseason games, the tickets are just they're given away amongst the fans. But a preseason game, and he got all kinds of stuff thrown at him. He got all kinds of verbal abuse. He didn't get anything physical in this situation. But the Lions hoodie that he wore was ruined because of all the things that people threw at him. I mean, it was just pathetic. People are so bitter. Bitterness will eat you up inside. Kind of like some of you Bills fans when it comes to the Patriots or, or other teams. I shouldn't just limit that to Bills fans. Other teams when it comes to the Patriots because of the success the Patriots have. People are bitter. People hate Tom Brady. You must have done this. Have you ever bitten a piece of fruit or candy that was really sour, really bitter? Suddenly your face contorts and muscles react to the bitterness and you make all kinds of funny and crazy faces. Well, that's how a person's bitterness appears to those around them. You know, you just, ah, oh, that's uh, that person. The fact is, everybody will be hurt by another person at one point or another. But the effects of that hurt, actually, they, they escalate. When we choose not to move on, when we choose not to forgive, it drains us of joy. It drains us of happiness. The bitterness just sort of consumes all the other emotions. The Bible says in Hebrews 12, verse 15, See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. But many people are dictated and defiled by their bitterness. Regardless of the hurt, we must choose to forgive others and just trust God with the rest. One of Satan's strategies is to get believers so angry, get them so unforgiving of one another. And that's a successful strategy because when believers are angry with one another, when they're bitter with one another, when they're unforgiving with one another, non-believers who need to hear about Jesus Christ are not attracted to the church because they see the nonsense going on among the believers. We get hurt. We get mad. We get resentful. Consider the account of the prodigal son in the Bible. You can find that in Luke chapter 15. Specifically, think about the older brother in this situation. His father was so glad to have the younger brother back home safely, he threw a huge celebration. You know, fatted calf and all. The big brother was in a situation which probably would have frosted the fanny of most of us. He figured he got shafted. Here it was, the little brother who hurt his father, wasted a large portion of the family's money. When he returns, the old man seems to forget all that and throws him a party. A party! The older brother thought it was an injustice, an insult to the years of loyalty and forgiveness or faithfulness that he had shown. As a result, he's filled with spite. He, he, wouldn't, he refused to celebrate with the rest of the family. In reality, he probably wanted his brother to suffer for what he did to the family. And you've probably been there, been in that spot. I know I have, where, you're, where your anger and, and your bitterness is consuming and you start listing and memorizing all the other person's faults, all their sins. 
His bitterness was something that was just tearing at him as he replayed it over and over in his mind. His anger and his jealousy caused him to be unthankful for all that the father had done for him. He hadn't hurt his father like his brother had, yet he was no longer able to see all that he had. He could only focus on what he did not have. Whether he knew it or not, his attitude was a terrible testimony to all the servants. Here was an opportunity to give an illustration of God's grace in action. Rejoice over the younger brother who, despite all his flaws and errors, came to his senses and returned home. Instead, they got a lesson over how bitterness turns people ugly and changes their perspective in a negative way. Bitterness causes a lack of spiritual enthusiasm. It's like a blanket over your spiritual enthusiasm. We focus inward on ourselves and how we're not getting a fair shake, as opposed to the grace of God, which was shown toward us at the cross. God's heart is for people to repent. There is little that makes us less like God than having a heart of condemnation or being willing, to, uh, unwilling to forgive. If you find yourself spiritually apathetic, not caring, maybe it's because of a resentment that you're harboring somewhere. When we're consumed with resentment, we lose interest in the things that are important to God. Deep down, we couldn't care less about the eternal destiny, the the spiritual well-being of those walking past us. It happens in churches. I can think of situations where people will walk past me and will not look at me or talk to me. I've tried to rectify these situations. I've tried to go to them, and for whatever it is, and I don't even know what it is, they, they're just so bitter that they won't allow it. They won't allow any sort of, any sort of forgiveness, and I don't even know what the issue is. How long has it been since you cared enough about somebody's well-being to share the gospel with them and tell them about Jesus? When was the last time you ached for someone that does not know Christ? Bitterness is a product of forgetting just how much we've been forgiven of. You know, a good practice to protect the state of our heart is to remind ourselves of the cross every day. Ephesians 4.32 says, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. If we reminded ourselves of how much God, and maybe even how much other people have forgiven us, it'd not, it, it'd not be as hard to forgive other people. When we forgive, we take ourselves out of the position of passing judgment. And, and we end up trusting God to just bring justice to the matter. Yeah, we may have been wronged, but we forgive them. You know, we've done an awful lot of wrongs to God, and yet he's willing to forgive us. Bitterness has stolen the joy of many. And my prayer for everyone listening is that you would search your heart for anyone that you're holding a grudge against. I hope that you'd make it a point right away to begin the reconciliation process. Don't be bitter. Don't be bitter over a football game or anything else for that matter. Zach, I want to share something with you that is the most awesome thing I saw this week. And now it's time for the most awesome thing I saw this week. Everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of the team. I don't believe what I just saw. Yes, that's awesome. If God has blessed you with children, then you know there are there are countless numbers of special moments where 
they make you proud to be their parent. Yeah. Things they do, certain accomplishments, goals they've obtained. I have a son and a daughter, and each have provided me with many of these, as you know, Zach, many of these moments. One of them was this week when literally, as I was typing a text to send to my daughter, a text comes in from her sharing the same story with me. Now, when you're a major sports talk radio star like myself, <laughs> it's it's hard for your family not to at least have some awareness of what's going on in the sports world. But when your daughter sends you a text with a link to a hockey story, oh, man, you feel a certain amount of pride within you. You know you're you, doing something, right? You know, as a parent, you've been successful and you've raised your children well. But when that same child is instrumental in influencing decisions made by the International Olympic Committee, uh, a tear runs down your cheek, but not unlike that Indian back in the old uh, Keep America Beautiful ads. First on Tuesday, the IOC's executive board voted to recognize cheerleading as an official sport, meaning that the governing body of cheerleading will receive at least $25,000 annually from the Olympic Committee and will have the opportunity to apply for additional grants and for inclusion in upcoming Olympic Games. Now, this is no doubt in response to a persuasive essay my daughter wrote back in high school. Took a little longer than maybe we had planned, but she wrote it, and these things take a little time to get, you know, to come together. Sure, yeah. But if influencing trends in the international competition isn't enough, she then sent me a note, and this is the thing I was typing to her just as it came in to me. She sends me a note updating me on the trademark rejection by the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office of the expansion NHL franchise in Las Vegas, mm -hmm. the Golden Knights. If you're watching on video, you can see behind me on the shelf a College of St. Rose cap. It seems that the hockey team's proposed logo is too similar to that of the College of St. Rose Golden Knights logo. The patent office determined that there is a likelihood of confusion with the logos. The team now has six months to respond and come up with a solution. My daughter, with the finger ever on the pulse of the sports world, is the most awesome thing I saw this week. Now, I suspect there's going to be some sort of settlement, some sort of solution to this trademark issue. Vegas is already selling merchandise. They've been selling shirts and caps and all kinds of stuff mm -hmm. with the logo on it. They're, they're not planning to stop doing that. Maybe you and I should run out and get a bunch of T-shirts with that logo just in case something goes awry and yeah. becomes a collector's item. Yeah, they'll be rare. The College of St. Rose could probably use the extra funds, though. Maybe they can come up with some sort of agreement like the Seahawks made with Texas A&M over the 12th man. The mm. Seahawks pay for the use of it. That's trademarked by the Aggies. A portion of the proceeds from, say, the Vegas merchandise sales could go to the College of St. Rose to reimburse good things like maybe they could reimburse parents' tuition costs and things like yeah. that. Obviously, my daughter's portion would be a little larger than everybody else's because She's probably the only person on that campus that knows that this is even a thing. <laughs> but don't you think, Zach, that they would have they would have investigated this? I mean, I guess it's probably hard, isn't it, to know every college, every high school out there. Well, how hard would it be to do a Google search for Golden Knights logos? You know, like I feel like oh, that's a good point. It would be pretty easy. Yeah, you're, you're probably. I, I suppose they could have done that, but 
I saw the two logos, and in all honesty, I, I'm not sure they're that close. Do you? Uh, did you see the two side by side? I haven't. They're similar, but they're not so similar that I think there would be confusion. I tweeted out earlier this week: College of St. Rose one, NHL's Vegas Golden Knights zero. <laughs> Their first loss. You're listening to the Beyond the Game program at BTG program, btgprogram.com. I'm Benson. He's Barletta. We'll be back right after these messages. This is Beyond the Game brought to you by Town & Country Pet Solutions. Title sponsor of Beyond the Game is Town & Country Pest Solutions, and they have been for the two-plus years the show's been on the air. But that's nothing compared to the nearly 30 years of bringing your homes and businesses of unwelcome pests. And I'm not just here reading a commercial script for them. I am a happy and satisfied customer. They have taken care of a mouse, bee, ant, and even fly problem for me. Yes, my house is old and falling apart, and I get all sorts of pest problems, and you may too as the colder air creeping in starts to cause critters to seek shelter in your attic, basement, or walls. If you think you have a problem or want to make sure that you don't, call town and country they really are the best they guarantee their work and did i mention they're the best save yourself any more of a headache and money by giving them a call first don't waste your time on other companies town and country will do it right the first time every time so give them a call today at 585-426-5024 that's 585-426-5024 one more time because someone decided that three is the magic number 585-426-5024 or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com Town and Country Pest Solutions. They fear nothing but God. Do you know an athlete whose participation in athletics is vital to their college choice? Then consider telling them about Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We field 17 varsity sports and offer the only NCAA D2 program in Greater Rochester. Our teams have won six conference titles and reached three NCAA national championship appearances. Help the athlete you know to take their game to the next level. Visit roberts.edu. Thanks for being with us here on Beyond the Game, mixing sports and faith. Take us through some of your shenanigan statements this week, Zach. All right. Edmonton Oilers star Connor McDavid was furious after being pulled from a game in a pivotal moment by one of the NHL's concussion spotters after hitting his mouth on the ice. Truth or shenanigans, McDavid has a right to be upset. I agree. Sure, he has a right to be upset. He's a competitor. He wants to be out there. If he were playing for me, I'd want him to want to go back out there. Be a gamer. Be tough. But that doesn't change the fact that the officials were right to keep him off the ice. Mm-hmm. He can be upset about it. The game is important, but not as important as the player's, player's health. The medical staff must make sure he's okay before they send him back out there to continue. And You know, when you're amped up on adrenaline, you're wrapped up in competition, you don't always think clearly. You don't always know what's right. best for you. Uh, he can be upset all he wants, and I think he's got a right to be upset. But they were the they did the right thing in keeping him off. Yeah, I, I agree. He has a right to be upset, not because he was pulled from a game, because of all the things you said. Absolutely, if you think someone might have a concussion, you pull him from the game and ask questions later. I think he has a right to be upset because of all the other players who haven't been pulled from games. How many times watching hockey through the years have we seen somebody, you know, two players spend a minute or two punching each other in the face repeatedly? Nobody checks those guys for concussions. We see a guy get cross-checked in the face or driven into the boards hard and be a little woozy coming up. We never see those guys get pulled from the games and checked for a concussion. So I think 
he has a point there in that, well, why did I get pulled out in this important spot when these guys haven't? But I think the important thing is to find some consistency, not to stop pulling people from games. Yeah, I don't know whether they look for a sign from the player. I know in the NFL, if somebody appears woozy, if somebody missteps, has a hard time getting up, these are things that the officials look for and say, wait a minute, take them off, take a look at them. If some of those players don't ever exhibit any of those signs, there's no reason to take them off. But you mentioned fighting, and that's a subject you and I have been trying to get to for a few weeks now, mm-hmm. and that's a whole nother topic. But statement number two. A recent USA Today article compared Tom Brady's numbers in games with and without Rob Gronkowski and showed that without Gronk, Brady's numbers averaged out to mirror those of Ryan Fitzpatrick. So truth or shenanigans, this shows that Brady isn't as great as we all think he is. Your turn to go first, buddy. Well, if you think he's the greatest quarterback in NFL history, then yeah, I agree. He's not. But it certainly doesn't mean that he's not one of the all-time greats. He won Super Bowls before Gronk. He'll probably win Super Bowls after Gronk. I can't stand him, but Tom Brady's great. This doesn't change that. Shenanigans as well. No, I mean, you may want to, people may dislike Brady because of his success, but taking Gronk out when you are planning on him, that's going to have a counter effect Uh, on how well he plays. Now, you take Gronk out for the year, say for the next season, in that system, Belichick will find somebody to replace him. Mm So it's not really a fair – It's all things are not equal in that statistic. Absolutely. Number three, we, as you mentioned before, Cam Newton was benched for the Panthers' opening drive, watched backup Derek Anderson throw an interception on their first play. In his postgame comments, Cam said his benching was for a dress code violation, specifically not wearing a tie because he had a turtleneck on. Truth or shenanigans, Cam be- Cam's benching was really about dress code. I, I think so. I agree. I, I think it was. But as I mentioned at the top of the show, there may have been some other things leading up to this point and became time for that Ron Rivera had to respond. So I, I have no reason to think otherwise. But, you know, about that interception, that hit Mike Tolbert right in the hands. That's not <laughs> on Derek Anderson. I know everybody keeps laughing and saying, oh, Anderson threw an interception. Good, you know, mm-hmm. serves him right for benching Newton. But that's on Tolbert. That's not on Anderson. Yeah. There should be some statistic that takes those interceptions away from the quarterback mm-hmm. and puts it on the receiver. You know, turnover, unforced turnover, whatever you Absolutely. want to call it. Yeah. Uh, I say shenanigans. I, I think if you look at all, as long as he's been wearing all the ridiculous stuff that he wears and no one said anything, and, and, and it just feels like there's – there's got to be more. You know, there is a report that I don't know the validity of that said he broke team rules going to a strip club during the week, and maybe that was involved. I don't know. It's just strange enough that I think there's more that we don't know. Well, even if that's the case, those things led up to it, mm-hmm. but it was the dress code violation that ultimately it was gave the him the reason. Right. That yeah. gave him the reason to do it. That gave him uh, the excuse he needed. Former MLB Commissioner Bud Selig deserved his selection to the MLB Hall of Fame. Take it away. You go first. Shenanigans. I know this comes as no surprise (laughs) to you. This comes as no surprise to you, Benson, but I think he was a terrible commissioner. He had a conflict of interest with his brewer's ownership, so to solve it, he gave ownership to his daughter and kept him in the family. He turned a blind eye to steroids until it was too late. 
He presided over a work stoppage. He instituted luxury tax just to bring down the Yankees. He messed up the All-Star game, just to name a few of his accomplishments. I'm glad he gave us interleague play, but that's it. I don't know that he instituted the luxury tax just to take down the Yankees. You might have a skewed perspective on that. I'm sure I do. Um, but I actually agree he deserves. I know, yes, he does have the stigma, the steroid era, and that's a pretty big stigma. But uh, I like the wild card. It's wildly successful. Uh, he did. The game has made tons of money over his 20-year reign. All those new, beautiful stadiums that make teams money. Uh, I wouldn't if he was if he was on level with a player. I don't think I would say yeah, bring him in. But we're talking about as a commissioner, and as far as commissioners go, I think he's on par with any other commissioner that's in the Hall of Fame. I think he's done some good things. I think he deserves to be in. After adding Brian McCann and Carlos Beltran to an already formidable lineup, the Houston Astros should now be considered the favorites in the American League. Shenanigans. Maybe if Boston hadn't had the day it had this past Tuesday, but you know what? The things that happen during the hot stove season have to translate on the field, and the Astros look like they can give the Red Sox a formidable challenge. I wouldn't make them the favorites, but uh, I think the, Red, the, the Astros are going to be a tough team for the Red Sox. Uh, I agree that they should be the favorites. Uh, you know I've been a big Astros supporter for a couple of years now. They've made an already very good lineup into a great one. Um, they still need another starting pitcher, but I think they have plenty of trade chips to make that happen. So I'm big on the Astros again. They can get one from the Red Sox. Yeah, they've got plenty. So my follow-up to that is if not the Astros, then adding Chris Sale to the Red Sox rotation makes them the team to beat in the American League. That I would agree with. They had a, they did a, they had a great day on Tuesday. Mitch Moreland, uh, Thornburg, they had a great day. I think they are the favorites, but again, each of those pitchers, as great as they are, are going to lose games. Mm-hmm. Injuries can derail a team. Um, all those things have to come together. Just because it looks great on paper doesn't mean they're going to win. But if you're talking about who, who's the favorite going in, I think it's got to be the Red Sox. They already have a potent lineup, and then you add that terrific pitching. They look strong. Well, As I said a minute ago, I think it's the Astros, so I say shenanigans to this one. But here's why. The Astros didn't lose anybody. They pretty much have only made net gains this offseason. The Red Sox certainly made some big additions, but they also lost David Ortiz. And as good as that rotation is probably going to be, we have yet to see how that lineup is going to look without him in it. There's a lot of youth in it. While I like a lot of those young players, they haven't had to hit in an Ortiz-less lineup yet, so... I need to see them be the best team in the American League before I believe that they will be. Next, even though it's his first season as head coach, the Browns should fire Hugh Jackson if they go 0-16 this year. Shenanigans. You and I have talked last week, Zach. uh, We've talked a couple of times how hard this team has played for Jackson. Mm -hmm. They haven't been able to put together a win, but I I still think they will. They've gone the whole season without a victory, and yet they continue to play hard in every single game. They haven't given up. I think that's a testament to the coach. Uh, I'm not against firing coaches in their first season, if, if there's reason, but this is not one. I agree. I mean, he inherited a team with a bad offensive line as a result. He's already had to go through five different quarterbacks. Nobody's winning games like that. So he deserves more time, absolutely. 
Last but not least, reports this week indicate that Bryce Harper has told the Nationals he wants a 10-year deal worth $40 million per year, and we've heard that the Nats will let him leave rather than pay him that amount. So truth or shenanigans, Harper will get his $400 million contract. What do you think about this? Right now, I say shenanigans, especially if he has another year like the one he had last year, which was very good but not great by any means. Um, look, he's not any better than Mike Trout is. I think we still think Mike Trout's the consensus best player in the game. The most Mike Trout will make during any year of his deal is only $34 million. <laughs> Only $34 million. But uh, I think that's way more realistic for Harper. Is Harper going to get six more million per year than the best player in the game? I don't think so. So I think he played through an injury last year, and he'll be better this year, but I don't think he's getting $40 million per year. And I would say shenanigans, too. You mentioned the year he had last year. It's a ridiculous amount of money. Ten years to guarantee $400 million, that's pretty risky. What's the highest salary now? Is it Kershaw somewhere around $24 million or $215 million? I think it's the highest currently. And then obviously yeah. Trout will be when he gets into that well, portion so, of his deal. Right, but the jump from there to four hundred that's a big jump. It seems like yeah. you would take steps to get to that point. And mm-hmm. at some point, these salaries have to plateau out. Yeah. You can't continue this kind of escalation. I just I don't think so. Title sponsor of the Beyond the Game program is Town & Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com, fearing nothing but God. In Acts 24, verse 16, the Apostle Paul says he does his best to maintain a blameless conscience both before God and before men. There are times when the truth may be difficult, but in order to keep a clear conscience, it must be said, albeit with grace, even though you know it may not go over well. Uh, Wednesday, the Golden State Warriors thumped. The L.A. Clippers 115.98, and as they have developed a reputation for doing, many on the Clippers did a lot of complaining during and after the game. However, L.A.'s Maurice Spates, who spent the previous three seasons with the Warriors, had an honest assessment for his current team, which seems to have, have a habit of shrinking in these big games. Spates said, first we need to start really just leaving the refs alone. Guys just got to sacrifice, do some things other than scoring, do some things other than your personal goals. Just try something new. They've been doing it for here for four or five years, and it hasn't been working, so it's time to try something new. Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, head coach Doc Rivers all received technical fouls for excessive interaction with the officials during the embarrassing blowout loss. Maurice Spates' honest assessment, regardless of how his teammates would receive the bitter truth, is what I like this week. What I liked this week was 12-year-old Dylan Gallagher of Manhattan, who held an equipment drive and collected used hockey equipment to donate to Ice Hockey in Harlem, an organization that provides it to underprivileged children. Hockey equipment manufacturer CCM heard about Dylan's drive and took notice. They got involved donating $20,000 worth of brand new hockey equipment to Ice Hockey in Harlem. So Dylan Gallagher and CCM are what I like this week. You like that? You like that? Thanks for listening to Beyond the Game. Beyond the Game has been brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com. Give them a call, 585-426-5024, 585-426-5024. Tell them Benson sent you. For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week right here at the same time. Be great this week, everybody. Everybody.